Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Away we go, Monday edition, Scoops with Danny Mac. My name is Dan McLaughlin. Great to have you with us. Always love your feedback on the text line, 65780 on any of the topics that we get into. We're going to visit with Alex Ferrario coming up next segment as we talk about the captain of the Blues. And we start there. And first off, this is business. Albert Pujols saw it. David Backus saw this. And now the captain is seeing it. Doug Armstrong, if you're in his seat, you can't be a fan, can't have emotion. It's that simple, and apparently he didn't. This was business. There were apparently multiple offers made to Alex. He didn't want them, so as a business decision, he moved on. No hard feelings. Alex, is a business decision, he wanted the best deal. It apparently is not in St. Louis, at least right now, so he made a business decision. He's earned that right. Doug Armstrong couldn't, and maybe to the surprise of Alex in his camp, didn't wait around. He made a business decision. Couldn't be figured out over the last year, then during a pandemic, then post-pandemic, it wasn't going to be figured out. So, move on. This is business. You know, Alex, we, we tried to sign him. Uh, you know, I want to give our ownership group uh, a ton of credit uh, uh, going to the maximum uh, number of years available. Uh, the contract, I think, is well documented that, that, that was out there, that was offered. Uh, we, we used every tool under the CBA to ensure that, that we could get something done. It just didn't work out. And there's no, one that, there's no, there's no good or bad person in this. Uh, it's just the business side of it. And, uh, you know, Alex is a, is a great guy. And we had a great conversation last night. And as I said, I, I don't close any doors yet. But I, I was very impressed when you're when you're in a pandemic, when you're talking about starting next season in January, when you're not sure if you're going to have fans here. Our ownership group never blinked that way. They wanted to continue to play with the big boys at the, at the cap, and, and they wanted that moving forward. So it's a, I tip my cap to to our ownership group for for not wavering in in, in a time where it would have been easy to waver. Now I, I said this for about four months ago. I felt you had to bring the captain back first to bring a Stanley Cup to town. He's in the prime of his career. He's elite still for the next three, four, five, maybe six years. However, there's give and take to make it work. We're going to get more on that with Alex Ferrario. Now, if you're Doug Armstrong, you better hope Justin Falk is the player that you traded for. He wasn't last season. Now you play him more in the role that he had with Carolina. Take the training wheels off, so to speak. Play him in the kind of minutes that he's accustomed to. Colton Pareko, you got to keep developing him. And you hope you sign the right guy in Krug. If you're Petro, let's be honest, how much is enough? You made over $50 million here in St. Louis. You'll make over $100 million by the time the deal is done. But, you know, if things are going the right way, you think about statue, you think about, you know, the, the fact that you could have your number retired. You're a legend in town. That's gone now. Could be. You know, I'd love to see him come back. I wanted to see him come back, but this is business. This is sports in 2020. Ugh. Tough, too, because as a fan, I want to see him back. I want to see him retire a blue. I want to see the statue. I want to see how uh, the guy did so much in this community in terms of what he brings to hockey. And by the way, he's a hell of a player. He's elite. Hmm. That one's going to be tough. That one is tough. 
So again, in sports, if you're an athlete, how much is enough? Got to ask that too. Are you willing to take the risk? And apparently he was and hit the open market and Doug Armstrong didn't wait. So they both make a business decision. I wish Alex nothing but the best. Brought a cup to St. Louis. Next on the clock, by the way, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Have you thought about that? Mike Schilt on MLB Network Radio over the weekend talked about those two guys. We really like to have them both back. You know, Wainwright, Wayno wore a shirt um, that somebody gave me at the end of the year. And it was like a political shirt. It says Wainwright Molina 2020. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get one for 2021. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's the ticket that a lot of people would vote for. I know they'd carry, carry Missouri. Um, probably carry Florida, Georgia, Wayno's hometown. Probably to lose in Illinois. But, um, you know. That's a, those are two special players that have been great for us, and, and uh, I'd love to have them back. And um, We know there's a possibility they may not return, but my head's around both. But clearly we'd love to have them both back for a lot of, a lot of reasons. Wayno, 40 next year. Yachty, 39. Both played at a very high level in 2020. However, they'll have to answer many of the same questions that Petro has faced over the weekend. Probably most notable would be legacy that that to me is probably the primary one they've both made a bundle of money it's rare in sports that players stay with one team it just doesn't happen as i said with randy and michelle if albert Pujols can move on it can happen to anybody that's sports lebron james he moved on and he wins another title last night is fourth overall and he's won what four with three now different teams final seconds here in this nba season the respect from those two, and that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I can't sit here and say that one is more challenging than the other or one is more difficult than the other. I could just say that I've never won with this atmosphere, with this. None of us, we've never been a part of this. And, and if you've been here throughout the start, I mean, we got here July 9th, our, our ball club got here July 9th, and it's October what, October 11th now. This was very challenging and difficult, and, and it played with your mind, played with your body. You're away from some of the things that you're so accustomed to to make you be the professional as you are. This is right up there, and I and I heard some rumblings for, from, from people that's not in the bubble. You don't have to travel. It's, you know, whatever to keep people just doubting what goes on in here this is right up there one of the greatest accomplishments i have it is i mean three months how about that think about where you were july 4th they've been in that bubble that's a long time again i know these guys are making a ton of money i get it but just on the human side of it that is a long time ago where you're just going to a hotel they try to have some activities for you and the gym that's a long time so in terms of his championships he's got four Scotty, I got his Cleveland championship being the best because he did it for his hometown. They were down 3-1. He made the remarkable block. He's an incredible player, and I think that's his best. But this one, man, is right behind it. it was, I mean, it's very close. I agree. Because of the amount of circumstances that you overcome, you mentioned July 1st, Dan. I wasn't even back here yet. I was still living in Texas in July. So think about how much has changed in my life. Yeah. I, I can think about that and reflect on it so much. Watching Dak Prescott yesterday, it made me sick. I mean, literally, I, I saw the, the ankle. It was gross. 
It also made me think, why does any athlete pass on a secured long-term deal ever? Generational type money, especially in the NFL. I don't get it. I never have. You know, guys say, I'm going to bet on myself. Sure, until your body gives out or you have a catastrophic injury. Prescott, a fractured angle, ankle on a day when Alex Smith came back. And that is an incredible story in itself. I was watching that game, too, and seeing him uh, and his family. His family was there, and, I mean, they were just overcome with emotion as he came into the game. It was awesome. This guy almost had his leg amputated. Literally, leg amputated. 17 surgeries. Why does he want to come back? He must love it. But it's an incredible story, and he made it back on the field yesterday. Very surreal at first. Uh, have it happen to have it happen as fast as it did was probably almost a blessing. Uh, you know, for me, obviously, just have to, you know, I knew it once once Kyle took that shot that there was a chance of it. And uh, obviously, run over, grab my helmet, get ready to roll. So it was it was kind of nice in that sense, not having to think about it. You just go out there and do it. Um, you know, and, and then in that situation, kind of there into half. You know, working some, uh, you know, trying to get the ball moving, and obviously getting into a two-minute tempo was was good as well. In the same sense, just just no thinking, going and playing. Great story. See him back on the field. See the emotions of his family. Just amazing to see that. Um, We're going to visit with Alex Ferrario coming up. I want to get more into what I was just talking about. Again, it's business. No emotion. You try to move on. But if you're a fan, it's tough to do that. It's kind of cold. It's calculated. But it's business on both sides, and you, you hope it works out. The Blues get Tory Krug, a player that is excellent on the power play, only 29. He's averaged 53 points the last three seasons. This guy can play. I think the the wave after wave that that, that team brings, um, every line when they jump over the boards, they, they know what their job is to do. And I think when, when you're playing against that, it, it's almost like uh, – it's tiring and you're like, holy crap, this line's coming over the boards and I got to play against this. And then the next shift, it's a different line and, and just the DNA and guys understand their roles and uh, they're relentless and they play with grit. And, and I think that's what's really exciting to me. Um, a very deep team uh, committed to the team and, and they play in your face style. And, and I'm excited of joining that. I love him on the power play, moves the puck, controls the power play, left side. It's big for the Blues. We'll talk about it more with Alex Ferrario coming up. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Here's a shot. It's gone, but Tango won't let it go. It was tipped, and the Blues on the board. If it's his, it's his first in the NHL. Yeah, it's going to be it, John. I got a good angle. It was actually deflected in by Wojtka. And Wojtkiewicz was just trying to stop it, and he actually deflected it by Turco, and it's going to be Petrangelo's first National Hockey League goal. Captain Alex Petrangelo, St. Louis has been waiting a long time for this. Come get the Stanley Cup. You know, legacy is obviously important. This, this organization means a lot to me, right? It, it certainly, uh, and, and you know, you see Al come around and see all the other alumni who are around regularly. That means a lot, right? It's guys who have a great relationship with the organization that have been around and really set their roots in St. Louis, um, you know, but whether it's here or somewhere else and you want to play to the best of the, to your ability and leave a legacy wherever you are. And that goes along with, you know, on the ice and off the ice and, and trying to impact the organization and the community. So whether it's here or anywhere else, I think it's important for me uh, to really kind of, you know, set my roots wherever it is. And, and I know my wife feels the same way. 
here, Alex Ferrario, on our pre-games, post-games, intermission, St. Louis Blues hockey. He's been doing it for years. This is 101 ESPN. Time check, 1023 in St. Louis, presented by Clarkson Jewelers. Alex, um, I never thought it'd get to this point that Alex Petrangelo would be on his way out by, barring a miracle, looks like he's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. How did it get to this point? First off, Dan, I never thought I'd hear Jeff Woywitka's name on a <laughs> right. Monday afternoon, so thank you for yeah, that. No problem. Um, you, you know, it, it's hard to say with that, but I think when you read the tea leaves with all of this, Dan, I think it was Alex Petrangelo was frustrated with what happened in St. Louis. I think he was frustrated that he did not have a contract the year after they won the Stanley Cup. I think he was frustrated that the Blues went out and signed Justin or traded for Justin Falk and then gave him an extension. And I think the frustration just began to build that with what Doug Armstrong's side hadn't done and hadn't presented to him and not meeting what the criteria was, I think it just became a personal side of all of this. And I think the personal side got too much for Alex. And I think at that point you enter free agency. The reports were Thursday night that they talked with each other. Um, It felt like at least maybe some progress was made, but they were still both heading to free agency. And we get to this point because Doug Armstrong doesn't have an emotional bone in his body when it comes to (laughs) hockey. And I think that's business, man. It's a good thing. I mean, the way I looked at this, look at the Boston Bruins, for example, they gave Tory Krug a reported six-year, $6.5 million contract. He decides free agency, signs the same contract in St. Louis. What's Boston got now? No Zidane Ochara, no Tory Krug. Do you, if you're the St. Louis Blues, want to be the team that says, hey, Petro, we'll wait for you. Petro says, up, going to Vegas. Tory Krug signs in Florida. Do you want to be the team when the music stops and there's no chairs available? Because that's what you'll be. You'll be Pareko, Falk, and Scandella as your top three next year. Now your next four next year, Pareko, Scandella, Falk, and Tory Krug, which in my eyes is similar in upgrade offensively, maybe a little bit of a decline in defense, but overall, I think you're a better team for this. So I think the emotional side got to Petro, and I think Doug Armstrong moved on and did what he was hired to do build a championship caliber team in terms of the holdup with the contract. So the, the, so for fans that don't know if you're with your team, so mm-hmm. you're with the blues, it could be an eight year deal. Yeah. And then we got no movement. You hear about that and you talk about no trade clauses, no movement and the various things that the blues could offer and things that they normally, and Doug has his ways of going about business of what he does with these contracts right. that he said, I, I was willing to bend with Alex. So yep. maybe explain that and where he was with those. Yeah. Well, first off and the money and the money. Yeah. So first off the reports were that he was offered an eight by eight contract. I think it might've been a little bit North. I think the blues were willing to go a little bit North of that. And Doug Armstrong talked about that in the press conference on Friday with Tori Krug. The Blues didn't have that eight-year extension after eleven o'clock Thursday night. Then it was even playing field. So if you're if you're a, if you're a poker guy, you got another hand read there. Like you just read Petrangelo's hand. Now it's even playing field. There's no more advantage. You don't have that eight-year extension anymore. But then it came down to the structure. And from the reports that we heard, and again, Dan, we aren't in the room. We're not hearing this. But from the reports that surfaced, Petrangelo was told. Hey, we'll give you an 8x8 contract, sign on the dotted line, and then we'll figure out the structure later. From our perspective, that was, well, you can't do that. And I was, I suffered from that. I was, I jumped to conclusions like, whoa, 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 that's a little ridiculous. But what Doug Armstrong told us Friday night in the media availability for Tory Krug signing was that they were willing to bend 
on the structure. They were willing to bend on the signing bonuses. Petrangelo wanted protection towards the end of his contract. Doug Armstrong said they offered Petrangelo protection on his contract on certain years. So maybe later in his career, he had that protection that he wanted. Maybe the signing bonuses wasn't offered there, but there were Doug Armstrong doesn't give out signing bonuses. He acquires players with signing bonuses. So he's not going to hand that out. Doug Armstrong talked about the no movement clause with Petrangelo. He doesn't understand the press of, of the, the preface of that because you're basically you, you have the upper hand on ownership. And I think Doug Armstrong doesn't understand why you would give that to a player. So there's a lot of moving parts with this. But from everything we heard from Doug Armstrong, they were willing to adjust everywhere possible for Alex Petrangelo to keep him here. And unfortunately, it got down to free agency. It got down to rumors of Vegas and Toronto calling Petrangelo. And Doug Armstrong made the move. He called Tory Krug at 11.15, wanted to see his interest, had him talk to Craig Berube. Krug loved it, said, I'll sign on the dotted lines. What will be the difference in his deal that he gets, let's just say, Vegas, mm-hmm. And as opposed to what he could have gotten in St. Louis, terms of years, money, protection, what what will be the major differences? So uh, this is interesting because I still Vegas right now, they don't have enough money to sign Petrangelo. The rumors are that they're going to move Nate Schmidt, who's going to open up about five point nine or six million dollars in cap space. They still have Mark Andre Fleury. So let's let's go down a hypothetical road here and say that Nate Schmidt, Mark Andre Fleury are moved. It opens up a lot of cap space. I think if you're Vegas, you're going to give them an eight year deal, eight and a half, maybe nine million dollars a year. Very similar to what Roman Yossi got in Nashville. And I think that's a very good comp, which is what we all expected if Petro went to the market. So I think he's going to get more money in Vegas if they have the availability for that. But how much more? Maybe a million. Because I think I think the Blues, from what I understand, had it at eight, were willing to go up to 8.5. So you still had a little bit of wiggle room there. If you're Vegas... And if you're Petrangelo side, do you say we want nine million because we're on the we're on the uh, we're on the open market, or do you sit there and you demand the signing bonuses or no movement clauses? He's going to get more money than what he would have gotten in St. Louis, but here's the part that he's not going to get: you're not going to get the legacy that goes with it. You're not going to get everything no. that you've put together in St. Louis, and maybe that doesn't matter to him. Maybe he just wants to go win Stanley Cup. You're going to have the opportunity to do that in Vegas, but I. I believe that the rest was a little bit more important. At least if if I'm Alex Petrangelo, I would want that. But again, I don't know how much more Vegas is going to be able to offer, but I would imagine from what all signs are pointing to, Vegas is going all out for this guy. So they'll give him $9 million. So um, again, you kind of led me to my next question about this. We don't know. We heard the soundbite coming back where he said, well, legacy... Yep. I see Al. I see Prongs. I see these guys around town. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've got roots here. He is married to St. Louis girl. I mean, right. he would, they got four little kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wonder when he got on that plane to go to Vegas or wherever he was going. I guess he got on a plane somewhere this weekend, yeah. and you know, when it hit him, you know, at some yep. point it does hit you. You know, oh, yeah. for any player, any professional athlete, like oh, okay, this has been talked about, but now. Oh, wow. Krug is here. Yeah. That money's gone. I wonder if right now, Dan, the emotion may not hit him rather than 
two, three years from now, or maybe towards the end of his career. I remember when when Ribs and BK were talking. I agree with, with that. You're yeah. in the you're in the moment. Yeah, Ribs and BK when they talked to Prongs and Prongs talked about how you know they traded him away because they had to cut. He was he was pissed. He's, he basically said, "I'm gonna go show them." Rightfully so. When you're a defenseman like that and you got a competitive edge, you're going to go show them, right? Like anybody has that. When you're fired from a job, you want to go show them up. So Chris Pronger talked about that, and I think that's where Petro's at right now. Petro was frustrated with the events leading up to free agency this year. He was, again, frustrated with not being re-signed after a cup. When Falk was brought in, given the extension, Shen was extended. I think the frustration continued to build. So I think it was already a really difficult deal to get done. But I think now the frustration's there to where he's going to go to Vegas and think, you know what? I'm going to go win a cup. And I'm going to go show St. Louis what they missed out on. Three, four, five years from now, when the when the career's coming to an end, or maybe when Vegas is thinking, oh, we got to find a way to move this salary off, then does it matter? Because then you sit there and you wonder, man, if I'm in St. Louis, maybe they don't move me because of the legacy. Or maybe they want me around because of the... I mean, look at Barrett Jackman. And look, Jax is a different defenseman, but Jax was here for so long because if he was the longest tenured St. Louis Blue. When they moved him to Nashville, that was a tough decision. He played one year there. But all of those, all of that time in St. Louis, where he was getting older and playing defense, you're looking at it as Jackman's a long, longest tenured St. Louis Blue. You love everything about that, and I think that's what Petro's going to miss down the road in Vegas. If it was eight times eight, that's sixty-four. If he's getting seven and nine, I mean, it's the money difference is better here. It is, and that's the part that I don't understand with all this. And I got to check what um, what Vegas has because, like I said, so Vegas moved Paul Stastny, Dan, and that was Friday when he was traded to Winnipeg to open up some cap space for the Vegas Golden Knights. So that at least opened up a little bit of wiggle room for these guys. So you're sitting at $79 million right now. If you sign him, you're going to go over the cap, which you could do. You can go 10% over the cap right now. You still got to move Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt's making five. $5.95 million this year. Even that with a $2 million puts you at $7.95. So you're not giving Petro more than $8 million unless you move Schmidt and Marc-Andre Fleury. So he might get signed to a big deal, but if he does, that's going to be the tell of, okay, well, we have to move two players to make sure that this contract works with Petro. And to be honest with you, Dan, that's tough for Vegas. I mean, they got good players, but you take out an Nate Schmidt, you got four guys that play defense for you that are making north of $4 million, Vegas might be a, a Chicago Blackhawks down the road to where if they win a cup, if they don't win a cup, but they're going to be hamstrung with their contracts sure. because you got two top lines, but then you got a bunch of depth players playing underneath. You got a lot of text saying, is there any chance the Blues could have a reunion? I don't think so. The, okay. I, I really don't. I think never say never right? in such a weird free agency, Dan, in a pandemic. And I think Doug Armstrong talked about that, too, on Friday, saying, hey, look, we've told Petro, keep us locked in, because I guess there is a chance. We saw Taylor Hall just sign a one-year contract for $8 million. Maybe Petro doesn't like what Vegas offers, and he says, maybe I'll go one more year. But to me, that's a lot of moving parts still. You're going to have to oh, trade yeah. Justin Falk and a Tyler Bozak to make that work. And again, it goes back to the the bridges being burned. I really feel like the emotional side has taken over Petrangelo, and I think St. Louis was already kind of on the... They were already out the door, but the door was still open. But when the Krug signing happened, I think that door was slammed shut. So I don't see that happening at all. Boy, as a fan, because I am a fan, I'm, I'm not covering the team like I once did. <clears throat> I, I wanted to see him finish here. I, I mean, is the guy that lifted the cup for the first time 
and is a guy that I, you know, I saw him come through as an 18 year old kid. And I, I think I was covering the team even at, at that time. Um, you know, you, you want to see those guys stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a legacy player. It, it's an amazing player. And he, by the way, He's elite. Yeah. <laughs> He's still a tremendous player. Yeah. That's the other thing. I, That's I'm, a huge loss for this team. I'm amazed, Dan, at how many people sent me messages over the weekend saying he's not an elite defenseman. I, I, that blows my mind because this was a guy who has been in the Norris Trophy conversation for the last three years. He finished this past season fourth in the, in the Norris Trophy rating. But when did we all of a sudden turn elite defenseman into, oh, well, you got to have a Norris Trophy? I thought elite defensemen meant guys who lead to Stanley Cup championships. Go back and look at the last 10 years of the Norris Trophies. And I did this last night, Dan, when I put an article for 101 ESPN. If you go back through the last 10 guys who have won the Norris Trophy, you know how many of those guys have won a Stanley Cup? Four of them. Mm -hmm. Lidstrom, Hedman, um, I'm blanking on the other two. Hold on, i got to check on this. So Lidstrom, Hedman, oh, Chris Letang, and John Carlson. Those are four elite defensemen. Yeah. The other ones, Roman Yossi, very comparable to an Alex Petrangelo. Eric Carlson. If you would tell me right today that you would take Eric Carlson on your team over Petrangelo, I would laugh in your face because there's no way possible. P.K. Subban, where was he last year? Oh, he wasn't in the playoffs. So I don't understand how Norse trophies are elite defensemen. You're losing an elite defenseman. That sucks. It's going to really suck this season. And I wanted to see that because, look, when you see a guy who puts all of the effort and energy on the ice, I mean, this guy doesn't get injured, Dan. This guy plays every single night, 20-plus minutes, power play, penalty kill, five-on-five, shorthanded, late in games, does everything. You can't replace that. But with that being said, I think what Doug Armstrong did was take a team's weakness and strengthen it by their offense. you, You think about the power play, you got a guy now on the left side, you know, that is something to think about. He's a terrific power play specialist. I don't want to say specialist, but a guy that can move the puck. I like that. Um, the thing I was thinking about, too, with this, in, in terms of how Doug handled it, I mean, it's business. I keep saying that, and he had to move. I mean, yeah. if he, you're right. When the music stopped, they could have been on the outside looking in, and, and all of a sudden, uh-oh, no Petro, no Krug. Oh, no. The other thing I'm thinking, too, is that this has got to change the minutes for Falk. And I, at least in my terms, uh, how I look at the, the, his role with yeah. the team, he goes back to how he was playing with Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's got to be different. Pareko continues to grow. You got Krug. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I like it, too. I, I think what this does is does a couple things. It provides you balance in your order. Last year, you were playing with three righties, and exactly. you were playing one on the left. Now you have a top four of a lefty in Scandella, a lefty in Krug, a righty in Pareko, a righty in Falk. Krug talked about it on Friday night, how he played with Justin Falk in the World in World Championships. They had some success. If you go back and look at the ice time, the points that they produced on the ice together. I don't know how they're going to pair these guys together, Dan, but here's what it does. It allows Justin Falk to be a power play guy. It allows Justin Falk to be an offensive defenseman with a left-handed guy who can play defense, which is what he was in Carolina. It's what got him into the All-Star game. It's what helped him lead the Carolina Hurricanes into a first-round victory in the playoffs last year. What it does for me also is it creates it, it creates a strength in your weakness last year. I mean, go back and look at that series against Vancouver, Dan. You got outskated. They were a faster team than you. Now, again, we found out players had COVID and they were suffering from some of that, but 
Tory Krug, Justin Falk, Colton Pareko, that's a lot of speed on your blue line that that their expertise is exiting their own zone and getting it into the neutral zone in the offensive zone. Krug is a .65 point per game defenseman in the NHL in his career. There's only eight other guys that have better points per game than that, and all of those guys are probably first ballot Hall of Famers when you look at what they've done in the NHL. Krug's going to produce points, might be not the greatest defensively, but if you pair him with a Colton Pareko, it offsets itself. Sure. Or if you pair him with a, a um, Justin Falk, it offsets himself. I think this team wants to be fast. This team wants to be offensive. The dip is how they play in their own zone with Jordan Bennington. But I put my faith in the defensive strategies of a Craig Berube, a Mike Van Ryan, and a Jim Montgomery getting them where they've been. Great stuff, man. Appreciate Dan, it. Always fun, buddy. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Mike Leach's team did in week one. Second a goal. These plays are obviously huge. A little fake jet sweep across the middle. And to the end zone. Touchdown to the tight end, Nico Hay. Missouri has taken the lead. I was ready to go. I was... I had trust in the coaches that, that they were going to get us prepared, and we were prepared. Um, we came out and executed well. Uh, we still had some some turnovers here and there, but we'll, we'll get those cleaned up and be ready for Vandy next week. Brennan's going to roll right, looking in that direction, throws right, and it's knocked away! was amazing for Mizzou over the weekend. They found their quarterback, by the way, Scotty. I know you're a big LSU guy. Connor Basilak, 406 yards, four touchdowns. I love the offense because I like Coach Drink. I think he, he he's kind of a gambler. We're already seeing that, so that'll make it fun. But what's overlooked is the defense. Mizzou's defense, the goal line stand, and the fact LSU could not run the ball, and the fact that they were 0 for 10 on third down conversions in the first half and combined early on in the second. Mizzou's defense. Give him credit, man. Come on, you got to give him credit there. I give him some credit. Terrace Marshall had 236 yards receiving, but I'll give him credit <laughs> at the end. I'm talking about run defense. They run defense, them. bro. They stuffed them. Mizzou, by the way, 18-point favorite this weekend. 18? That's what I saw. Wow, against Vanderbilt? Yeah. Hey, LSU beat them, so they must be pretty bad. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, some baseball news. Well, the Rays do win ten uh, to uh, two to one over Houston. Randy Rosarena again, home run. That's now four in the postseason. In the postseason history, the teams that win Game One of a best of seven, looking this up in a series, have gone on to win the series 114 out of 179. That's 64 percent. So that's big to win Game One in a best of seven. Sad news: Hall of Fame second baseman Joe Morgan. Obviously, key member of the Cincinnati Reds, a big red machine. He died uh, at the age of 77, died in his home uh, in California Sunday. And uh, he had struggled with various health issues in recent years, including a nerve condition. And uh, last time I saw him was in Cincinnati. He was also a member of their front office, kind of an advisor role, and had reunited with the Cincinnati Reds. So Hall of Famer Joe Morgan, dead at the age of 77. Surprising news here, at least for me. Chicago White Sox and manager Rick Renteria have parted ways. Renteria spent the past four seasons as the White Sox manager. He went 236 and 309. This year they were 35 and 25, and the first 
postseason appearance for the White Sox since 2008. So Rick Renteria out with the Chicago White Sox, and that's a team that is loaded for years to come. They've got young, young players and guys that can flat-out hit, and he is gone. So he is done and out in the uh, Windy City. And, man, think about it for Rick Renteria. He was there right when the Cubs were just about ready to go, and they went and got Joe Madden. And now White Sox, they're ready to take off, and they part ways. Surprising. Tell you again about FanDuel. FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook. Most fun I've had betting. Pretty simple. All I have to do is combine multiple bets from one game into a single parlay. This way, the payouts are even bigger when you win. What's cool, too, FanDuel refund the first same-game parlay you lose on any NFL game each week up to $10. That means you can bet a different parlay risk-free every NFL week, and that's all season long. All season long. If you don't already have a FanDuel account, just use the promo code WXOS when you sign up so they know I sent you. That's FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook, promo code WXOS, 21 and older, present in Illinois and Indiana. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, $10, terms apply. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. We'll cross it over right after this. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Crossover, Jamie Rivers in the house, and we have got Ribs and BK, Alex Ferrario coming up, and certainly I'm sure center stage will be the captain. Uh, I thought he might be coming back. And you never know, uh, until it's... Let's just say it. He's probably not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest here. There's okay. there's very little wiggle room financially as it sits. And uh, so, how are you, man? What do, what do you think about it all? Well, look, it's it's tough pill to swallow because I think that I guess if we separate the signings, right? If we separate Tory Krug from Alex Petrangelo, it's really tough to lose a player like Alex Petrangelo, period. No he's, doubt. He's, you know, Prime in the top, of his career. top four defensemen yeah. in the league, uh, two years in a row, second-team All-Star Stanley Cup. The list goes on and on. But then when you flip it, you look at Tory Krug, who's a really good defenseman. He has tremendous upside offensively. He's been part of a power play in Boston that has been successful for many, many years. Uh, he's, he's a hard-working guy, well-liked in his locker room. So, you know, you look at that as a win, and you look at the loss of Petro, it's just what it is. It's a loss. You've lost your franchise captain, uh, and you know, to be determined. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blues, their identity changes slightly moving forward, but hey, look, they still have a really good team right now, and I do think that that signing of Tory Krug was absolutely necessary if you couldn't get Alex Petrangelo back. You know, um, I was saying this earlier, and I know we got to got to go. I'm a fan, right? I mean, I've... We're all fans, still are fans. Yep. Um, wanted to see him finish his career here desperately. I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but I wanted to see him as a fan finish his career here. But I also said at the beginning of the show, man, it is sports is business. And, you know, Alex has got to do his business. He's going to get the best deal he can. The Blues are doing their business, which was couldn't wait around. You know, if because if the music stopped and – Petro's gone and Krug is gone. Yep. Where are we? I mean, that's part of what this is. 100%. It's you tough. Know? It's a tough business. Um, you know, we're going to dive into that for sure today. We actually, we have Doug Armstrong coming on the show at 1115 this morning. So we'll be able to, 
you know, scratch the surface a little bit there. I'm sure that there's a lot that we won't discuss just because Alex is not signed anywhere sure. yet. And, and Doug, certainly, he doesn't like talking about players that are on other teams or that are unsigned. But we are going to dive into that with Doug Armstrong. We're also going to have Darren Drager on from TSN up in Canada. And we're going to get his thoughts from a, a national perspective, or I guess international Canada and U.S. on what has gone on here with Alex Petrangelo and Tory Krug signing. So we've got a busy day ahead of us, Dan. All right, 11-15, Doug Armstrong. Looking forward to that. Ribs, BK, Alex, coming up next. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.